Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm your host, Luke Velasquez, joined, of course, here with Tony Mulvey. We're very excited. This is, uh, we're, we're back. We're back from the future supply chain. Uh, it's good to be back. We had our show that we did there at the event that aired last week. Um, uh, but there, there's, a, there's a lot of exciting things happening right now, Tony. Um, first off, when, when we were at the, uh, at the event, you know, what, what, was, what, what was the energy like? What were the conversations that were happening? I mean, every conversation I had was really just like, where, what's the market do? Well, kind of what's the market doing, but where is it headed, yeah. right? I mean, everybody kind of understood where we're sitting and currently, but there are people there. I, most of the people I talked to worked on Wall Street, so they're trying to get yeah. a little bit of an edge on like, hey, what's coming down the pipe for these companies? And I mean, that was the conversations I was having. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, and that, that definitely seems to be where it's going, right? We've been in these this insanely volatile time for the last, you know, 24 months plus now. And it's, I think everybody was asking the question when we were on this, you know, trajectory of up and to the right of, hey, when's it going to come back down? Because at some point it's not sustainable. There's some, there's some organic growth in there. But when is it, when are we going to kind of return to the mean, if we will? Yeah. Right? Um, what are, you know... As you're talking to some of those folks on the Wall Street side, do they what do they have guesses? Do they have uh, you know obviously they have a vested interest in one way or the other, but do they have a uh, an educated guess as to where they think it's going to go? Yeah, I mean a lot of it in the conversations I was having was what happens with the Fed and those yeah. reactions, right? If they step in and basically tank the economy, like what does that do for transportation? And you know, obviously, it's not going to be a good thing. I mean, anytime the consumer is slowing down. The consumer transportation is going to take a hit. I mean, even though there are sectors that are exposed, industrial, construction, things like that. I mean, we've talked about it, flatbed, mm-hmm. right? And you've seen it kind of lose some of its steam uh, over the past month. And then you see new home sales yesterday down for the first time in years. And I mean, you're just kind of seeing a lot of broader trends. And that's kind of the, the theme that uh, a lot of those guys had was what happens with the government and how the yeah. government kind of steps in. That's spot on. Something I'm really excited for today, though, is this will be, you know, when we were at the Future Supply Chain event uh, two weeks ago, we um, uh, we unveiled the new Container Atlas uh, product inside of Sonar, which, for those who aren't aware, really tracks the global ocean markets and, and really kind of never-before-seen supply and demand data uh, for those markets. And, and a lot of the data in there really, you know, leads pricing movements. It leads... Uh, future truckload demand, especially if we're looking at the U.S., although we can look at pretty much any any country in the world uh, with the with the new tool, which is very exciting. Um, but Tony, kind of give us a little, you know, for for a lot of folks maybe who are viewing this who are maybe only tied to the truckload markets, like, you know, what does why should I care what's you know what's coming into the country? Why should I care what China is shipping to the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I think it's estimated like. Chinese imports are about 16% of total U.S. truckload moves. So, I mean, you're talking almost a fifth of total yeah. truckload moves that they started in China. So, I mean, that's probably obviously the big one, right? That's right. where your volume comes in. But it's kind of a forward-looking indicator of what's to come. I mean, you're talking, we'll talk on it when we start bringing up some of these charts here in a little bit. But, I mean, you're talking 35 days, 38 days just for a shipment to leave China to get to the U.S. and clear yeah. customs. Then it's got to go through all the other, I mean, transloading, things like that. If the, there's an intermodal move prior to getting it on a truck, 
I mean, there's just some of those impacts. So, I mean, you're talking six, eight weeks lead times of what's what's coming. No, so. spot on, spot on. Let's go ahead and bring up our, our first chart here. I think this would be a good one to start with. Um, it, it's our it's our TEU import data. So we'll go ahead and throw this up on the screen here for folks. There it is right there. So, you know, what we're looking at right now, excuse me, is um, the, the uh, this isn't a bookings data set. We'll get to that one in the next. This is basically loaded TEU volume. So TEUs uh, that are loaded on ships. In this case, what we're looking at is Shanghai. So everything we're going to look at today is Shanghai to the United States, right? So this blue line that we've got here is as of this morning, which will be TEUs that are being loaded on ships today in Shanghai that will then ship to the United States. So, I mean, that's a... The last few weeks there, that's a that's a slippery slope. Yeah, I mean, once you start, I mean, we all talked about the factors of the lockdown in Shanghai and when those lift and kind of what happens there. Yeah. Well, this is what's happening now, right? This right. is as of, I think it's as of yesterday. Right. So these are based on the actual departure. So these are TEs leaving the port that have actually been loaded. The vessel has left. We're talking... About a 50% decline, 40 to 50% decline. I mean, that's a 50, 40 to 50% decline in volumes. Yeah. Coming into the ports. Granted, this is all going to all US ports, right? right? So it's we could break it out even further and be like, hey, there's gonna be a decline, this this percent decline headed to LA and whatnot. But you look at that and see that slope, it's like yeah. it's not a great look for domestic transportation. And we're looking at Shanghai for, for one of two reasons. Number one, it's the biggest port that uh, in China that ships to the United States uh, in terms of volume. But also, because of all the lockdowns, the, the question is, okay, well, this, is, this port has the biggest impact on what's happening in, the, in U.S. volumes. It's the leading port, but also, you know, what, um, you know, what are those lockdowns having? Um, so this is what's happening. Now the question is, right, and, and you kind of talked about when you were talking about a lot of those you know, Wall Street folks is, you know, well, well what's happening next? What, where are we going? And I think this next chart that we're going to pull up uh, uh, paints a really good picture of that. So if that blue line that we just looked at, that chart is, you know, Shanghai to U.S. ports uh, of what's being loaded, that loaded TEU volume in Shanghai, this green line that we're going to pull up here is um, a great picture of the of, of future demand, where we're, where we're headed next. So to explain, this is our booking data set. So bookings is is the difference between that and those loaded TEU volumes. The loaded TEU volumes are exactly what it sounds like. What's being loaded on the ships, the bookings data set that we now have in front of us, is what's being scheduled. Those orders, essentially orders to come, future orders that are being sent to the ocean lines to ship from Shanghai to the U.S. So they typically lead uh, that bookings data by a couple of weeks. Yeah, and we actually have a lead times chart as well, which will kind of show that Mm -hmm. difference in Hey, this is when the booking happened to the the actual departure date. And what we saw on that line, I mean, it's kind of that same trend, right? Yeah. We're talking down and to the right, which obviously is not a good thing when you're ta- wanting to see where we're headed. If you're talking down to the right, it's it's not good. I mean, you're yeah. headed towards the x-axis. Right. I mean, we're talking we're down year over year. We're down 50% right around that mm-hmm. year over year and even just in the past eight weeks, we're down that much. So, I mean, yeah. we're really seeing, and the, I guess the kicker here is there's not really been a bottom yet. We haven't seen any upward pressure on bookings, which is yeah. where we're going to see it first before it translates over into volumes. 
And that'll be really kind of where that first tell of, hey, things are starting to, I don't want to say normalize, but you're seeing that operation. And when you talk about the port of Shanghai, it's been operational. The issue's been other things, right? Right. Trucks getting in and out of the port, uh, container availability, things like that. Not necessarily the fact that the port's been shut down. Right. No, spot on. And, and I think that's that's the a question that I heard a lot was, um, you know, hey, once Shanghai comes back online, there's going to be a tsunami of containers that are going to come. Uh, but but based on that booking data, that 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 tells a different story. Yeah. And I think, well, there's an, another story that also right. kind of folds into this. And if I sent you this thing that we did, I built yesterday about these inventory levels, right? Yeah. That Walmart up 32% year-over-year, Target up 41% year-over-year. These ret- massive big-box retailers, they ordered a lot of goods yeah. to meet consumer demand that's starting to slow. And it's like, well, yes, there's going to be some seasonal stuff that has to be shipped. But like, if there's things that aren't seasonal, right, just your normal everyday goods coming over from China, what happens? I mean, are they just going to cancel some of these orders that they had because they have so much excess inventory from what they had a year ago. Yeah. Obviously, 2021, they were running thin inventory, so they had to rebuild that to some extent. But, I mean, we're still talking 32% increase in inventory year-over-year at yeah. Walmart. It's the largest importer, one of the largest importers in the country. Guess what? I mean, we're seeing those bookings decline. Inventory levels are high. Wouldn't, what, I mean, why would they bring in more stuff? I mean, yeah. so we talk about the tsunami of freight. Yes, there are some backlogs and things like that, but maybe that tsunami isn't as big as it might be if these inventory levels were as thin as they were yeah. in 2021. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good point, Tony. And I think really the, the, the picture that's being painted here, you know, we see a 50% decline in bookings, right, or demand. So there's going to be a lot less freight coming to the U.S. And that obviously has that implication on truckload volumes that are continuing their downward uh, a path. In fact, truckload volumes really seemed they, they they had a big haircut, but they seem to kind of be settling right now. So it's a question of have we found the bottom of truckload volumes? Uh, is it near term? Is it long term? That's still to be determined. But at least as of right now, they have found uh, a short term bottom. Yeah. But the thing with uh, ocean bookings, we haven't found that bottom yet. So if that continues the down downward pressure, will we see another uh, uh, another leg down on truckload volumes? And I think that's really the question. Yeah, I mean, we're in that seasonal period, right? End of the month, Memorial Day, heading into summer season, which is always pretty strong in trucking, right? Basically, Memorial Day to July 4th, pretty important. Yeah. So what happens, because then you've got the end of the quarter, right? Right there before 4th of July. What happens between the next, say, three weeks? What happens even two weeks from now, right? Right. After we get through the Memorial Day, what happens just after Memorial Day, and then the weeks following leading up to that 4th of July holiday. Yeah, spot on. Let's, let's look at something real quick. I want to I wanna pull up a chart here. Um, and uh, uh, folks in the back, I know I told you to pull up the rejection chart. Let's go ahead and skip that one there uh, if we can. And let's look at capacity. So, you know, we've, we've, we've seen a couple of, of things happen lately. Um, and I think this is a good picture of Tony, what you were talking about, a couple of things happening behind the scenes. So this green line here represents ocean vessel capacity. I want to be very clear. It's vessel, so TEU vessel capacity, um, which in ocean, there's really two, two capacity metrics we need to keep it out. Vessel capacity is one, and then equipment capacity is the other. So this looks at vessel capacity. 
Another way to think about it is the higher that green line goes, the more capacity from a vessel perspective there is to ship goods, right? Um, so I guess, Tony, what we're looking at here looks like capacity has been fairly stable the last year. Yeah, I mean, yes. It's important to remember, I mean, these are, you think about, these are the vessels calling the port of Shanghai. Yeah. It's a 23,000 container TEU vessel calling the port of Shanghai. It's going to show up in this index. It doesn't necessarily yeah. account for, hey, there's no room on this vessel. It's just the true vessel size calling. Right. So, I mean, I know Rachel Premack actually wrote something about mega container ships and things like that. And that's what kind of what you're seeing show up yeah. in the data is that these container ships are still calling the port, but how much of that space on the vessel is actually available for shippers? Yeah. Is it getting bought up by the largest shippers, leaving the smaller, small to mid-sized companies that are shipping out of uh, Shanghai? Are they being left out to dry? Yeah. There's also, uh, Shanghai is also a big transship port. Uh, so a lot of times uh, these ships already are partially loaded when they come to Shanghai because they've been to, to other locations such as Singapore and other areas and they've already shipped. So uh, that definitely has an implication. But, you know, the, at least the, 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 I think the, the good news if you're a shipper is with that bookings data, with that demand falling and capacity remaining level or relatively level, right, that's at least uh, a good initial indicator that there could potentially be some downward pressure on price. In fact, we've seen a little bit of downward pressure on prices. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a month ago where that Freitos Baltic Index was from out of China, I mean, we're down like 20% yeah. in a month. And I mean, the ocean carriers, it's very different. We talk about it domestically, right? That there's so many players in the market that nobody can really, cutting capacity here and there, like incrementally doesn't affect pricing domestically. Yeah. On the ocean side, there's very few players, right? I think yeah. it's like nine container ship lines control 90% of the market. Mm -hmm. They cut a vessel, well, they're trying to control prices. They can do it a little easier because they just yeah. blank a sailing. And that's, they're trying to do that. And it's really not having an impact because like I said, you look at spot pricing on the ocean, it is starting to come down in kind of cadence with these bookings and volumes. Yeah, no, that's a good point, right? You can enter the market as a truck driver for 100 grand, 200 grand. Yeah. You can enter the OSHA market for the low price of 200 million. Yeah, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. It's on the cheap end. Yeah, it's on the low end. That's, that's where the peasants live. All right. Um, no, spot on. Let's, let's, switch, let's switch gears here. You know, a conversation that I think has happened a lot, you know, and a lot of folks talk about is transit times, right? Hey, you know, we're ordering goods, but, you know, the ports can't get the stuff here. How long is it going to take to get my stuff? You know, should I pull, pull forward inventory? There's big delays happening. Where are those delays happening, right? By how much or by how little? Um, and, I, and I think that's a question that we've been able to answer with a couple of these new data sets. Let's go ahead and throw this one up here for me. So this purple, I love the new, the, the chart colors, by the way, spot on. Spot on. We need to talk about that, okay? You know, it doesn't get much better than this, folks, okay? I mean, the color scheme here is through the roof. Um, no pun intended as the chart goes up and to the right. But um, so this chart here is, is transit times. Now, there's a caveat with this transit time because that estimated transit time, again, we're looking Shanghai to all U.S. ports. So that's an average transit time, if you can see on the chart there, of about 25 days, I think it is. Um, I think that's what it says. So about 25 days, uh, yet maybe 26 days. So 
Um, so about 26 days. Now, this is based on what the carriers, the ocean carriers, are estimating. Yeah, it's what, it's what comes out on their schedule, right? So they, yeah. when they release the schedule out, they basically put when it's calling a certain mm-hmm. port and when it's going to arrive to another. And this is basically taking that schedule and putting it in a chart. So they're already baking in longer transit times, yeah. right? So, I mean, you factor in backlogs still. I mean, they're still, I think Port of LA still has a backlog that they're working through. Yeah. But that's kind of normal. I mean, everybody There's talks, always a backlog. There's yeah. never not a back, some backlog. Yeah, it takes, it takes time to get those container ships unloaded, right? There's always some instance of a backlog. Granted, there might not be at like, say, a port of Charleston or a port of New York, New Jersey, but I mean, still. Yeah. L.A. is its own beast. L.A. Long Beach is... L.A. and Long Beach, I think, account for approximately one-third of the nation's imports. Yeah, I mean... Slightly lower than that now as New York, New Jersey, and Savannah have taken a little bit of overflow, but... Yeah, so, I mean, they're they're massive. And you're kind of seeing that chart, you're factoring factoring in some of those backlogs, right? And, I mean, I would assume that... kind of think that some of that has to do with capacity cuts. There's not as many vessels going on these same routes. Fewer vessels. Yeah. Just lengthening that transit time as well. So. Yeah. So we, we've seen that transit time go up. Now, here's, here's where I like is, and this is where it's so important to have multiple data sources capturing the same thing, right? You know, if those ocean vessels are basically saying, hey, it's about 26 days, and they're trying to bake in some of those delays, but it's not enough. Yeah. And we know that. Everybody knew it wasn't enough, but the question was, by how much is it not enough? Now we can answer that question. So, and that, that's actually something, so a, a partnership that we did with P44, um, which tracks a lot of the vessels and containers moving in real time. So we're able to see how much time, in addition, these ships are basically having to wait. Basically, hey, this is what they're estimating. This is what they think transit time is going to be. This is how much more it actually is based on the delays, the real delays. Basically, a ship just hanging out on LA or hanging out in Shanghai waiting. Yeah, we'll pull that chart up. And what you'll see, I mean, it's right at... Another beautiful looking chart. Eight or nine. Great color. Yeah. I mean, you're at eight or nine days. Yeah. I mean... Eight and a half days right there is where that pink line is. I think the whole trend here, I mean, it's kind of been in this stagnant space, right? You... What the key here, if you add this one and the purple one on top of each other, gives yeah. you your t- true transit time. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking, what was it, 26 days plus, plus another, another eight, eight and a half. Days, so you're about approximately 34 and a half days. Yeah. So you're right at five weeks, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's five weeks from when it leaves Shanghai yeah. to when it gets to the U.S. Yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, then you've got, I mean, that's till it clears or gets into the port. Yeah. Right. Then it has, so to, it has clear, to clear customs. Yeah. It has to clear customs yeah. and do all the other thing, get transloaded into dry vans or into goes into a warehouse yeah. that then it goes onto a full truckload. I mean, so like you're seeing increased transit times, these port delays really not going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, they've kind of hung out in this eight to 10 day range for the past year. Guess what? That's your forward look into what's coming on the truckload yeah. side. I mean, there it is. Yeah. So this, so that bookings data, one of the first indexes we looked at, you know, to get an idea on where volumes headed. This is basically saying, hey, that that's what the truckload market's going to look like or be influenced by six weeks later. Yeah, uh, more, more if that. not more. If not, if yeah. not more. Yeah, I mean, I if we have the lead time chart, 
it's the perfect time to pull it up. Let's pull up the lead time chart. That's the. It's this it, is another great looking chart. Yeah. So I mean, this Love is that gold color. Yeah, lead time. So this is the 11 difference. Eleven days almost. Yeah, from the time that it's booked to the right. time it actually leaves the port. Yeah. So, so you know, for, for folks that aren't familiar with lead times, here it's very similar on the trucking side, right? A shipper tenders you a load today, you have to move it on Friday. That's a lead time of two days. So here in this case, it's approximately almost 11 days. Yeah, so 11 days from the time it's booked yeah. to the time it becomes a volume. Right. Then you add in, so now we're 11 days. Add in another, what, 34 and a half, 35 days? Yeah, it's called 35, so we're at So now we're at 46. 45 days, 46 yeah. days from the time it's booked to the time it even gets to the port. Yeah. Add in your couple days. I mean, you're talking transit times to get anything. I mean, 60 plus days. Yeah, you're flying with two if, months. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you're having to book two months in advance just to get on the vessel yeah. to get here. And then you're not guaranteed to be on the vessel. That's right? right. And that's another one that's new in Container Atlas that we haven't had anywhere else is those rejections. No, we skipped it earlier, but yeah. they are important. Well, let's go ahead and pull it up. That's the that's the blue, that's the blue red one. Or the I guess it's red. just red, but yep. there it is right there. So that measures. So what Tony's referring to is, you know, let's say I'm a shipper, right? You know, and first off, that eight and a half days just from P44, that additional dwell time that folks aren't accounting for, if you don't trust what the ocean carriers say and you try to bake in too much time, now you've got all this inventory sitting here that you have to pay to store. Yep. Or if you don't bake in enough time, great, I don't have inventory to sell. So it's a very, very precise balancing act where you need that, that little bit. But this is exactly what you're talking to. This is the percent of TEUs in this case that are being declined by the ocean carriers, accepted TEU bookings that are being declined by the ocean carriers. Yeah, that's what's different than the truckload side, right? Right. We talk about rejections, like those are, if they're rejected, they've never been accepted. Right. These have been confirmed bookings that are being rejected by those ocean carriers, right? And it's not just rolled, hey, we'll get you, we don't have room on this vessel, we'll put you right on the next one. These are like, hey, we don't have the equipment or the space for your your shipment to go on a vessel. Good kinda, luck, figure it out. I, yeah, I was going to say, you're kind of out of luck. You got to yeah. figure out you're either going to another ocean carrier. This would be an appropriate time to say, oh, ship. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and that's, I mean, we're talking 25%. Yeah, I mean, 25%. It's crazy. And that that's up too, because that was, uh, that that number was only around, I think it was like 8%. It covers in like the 8 to 10 range. 8 to 10% is where it typically is. It's been a little bit elevated this year, but... Traditionally, I mean, we've had a couple of wicks up. Like in August last year, I think when Yantin shut down for a little bit, it did wick up yeah. to about 50%. Yeah. So there's some isolated situations. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's available equipment. I mean, yeah. containers not being able to get out of the port to go get right. Go get what's going to be then loaded yeah. and put back on the vessel. So this partially tells the other side of the story that we were talking about earlier with, oh, look, vessel capacity is really high, but if they don't have equipment, it's like, yeah, we got plenty of ships here that are calling the port. But those trucks aren't coming in, aren't draining the containers back in Shanghai, so it's... Yeah, it's showing you the, the actual capacity situation, yeah. what what shippers are dealing with. And, I mean, ultimately, this is a great... If you look at it all in one macro view, right, it kind of yeah. gives you an idea of, hey, this is what's going on at the port, and this will give you an idea of what's, what's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. So if anything, it's a good thing that that decline, you could argue it's a good thing we're seeing a decline in bookings because of the shortage of, of equipment. Yeah, the availability of equipment is going we to... Could have a very big challenge on our hands. Yeah, it's similar to what we've had here in the U.S., right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we've talked about is 
truck availability, right? Yeah. It's been difficult. It drove rates through the roof. Well, now it's kind of flip side and it's probably a good thing. Yeah. So, and we've started to see uh, uh, ocean container spot rates come down partly as a result of this. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if these trends continue, right? At the end of the day, we don't know if they're going to continue, but when those transactions happen, we are able to see them in real time. And the best part is see them very far upstream. That's the key, right? You know, the further upstream you, you, everybody wishes there was a crystal ball with the perfect algorithm to forecast out, you know, infinitely, right? We wouldn't be sitting here if we had that. But so the question is, what data set can we look at that's going to lead in? A lot of this ocean data is going to tell you what's going to happen in the truckload market months ahead out. Yeah, and, and I think half of this is why my, I had this conversation with Bill this morning on FreightWaves Now, like what's yeah. my outlook on, on the market? And I was like, it, it's not kind of pessimistic. I mean, yeah. obviously we're entering what should be a strong, what would typically be strong time of the month, year. Well, I'm looking even past that that tells me, hey, things might not be so good after the summer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, been a pleasure. We were glad we were able to unveil the new Container Atlas to you all. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, it's Luke and Tony. We'll see you again next week. Have a fantastic rest of your day, and we'll see you again on With Sonar.